This is Tim Beck, head coach of Coastal Carolina, Chanticleers. Shout out to the Fun Belt podcast. If you didn't know before, now you know why they call this the Fun Belt. Very excited about the Sun Belt. You know, while other conferences have been breaking up, our conference has become stronger. The state of Sun Belt football is the strongest in our history. I saw Fun Belt Conference, and I'm like, I don't know what this is, but I got to join the show. It sounds a lot of fun. Go for it. Three, two, one. Welcome back to Fun Belt Podcast. Talking about your favorite topic, America's favorite topic, the Sun Belt. Brought to you by the Believe Network. We believe in the Sun Belt. We believe in ourselves. And I believe we have Shane Metlin back from the Daily News Record. Shane, welcome back. Thanks for allowing me back. We thought maybe keeping Craig on. Craig did a pretty good job breaking down last week's football action. I wouldn't blame you if you went that route. (laughs) And leading us, as always, Dusty Thibodeau from the Warhawk Report. Dusty, how the hell are you? Have you recovered from that Houston versus ULM fiasco? Yeah. I mean, you know, I had choice words last episode of um, what it is. But, but you know, I'm telling you, Houston uh, going into the Big 12, Shane, yeah. your, your Jayhawks are, are, are in for a little bit of a battle there because uh, even head coach Kelvin Sampson of UH told Keith Richard postgame, this is the best defensive team I've ever had. Ooh, so look out. So speaking of basketball, Dusty, I don't know if you've heard, but in it while we were watching our respective teams, the Red Wolves and the Warhawks play against competition that was a little bit better than the competition the team we had put onto the court. James Madison was up there in Lansing, Michigan. Lansing, right, Shane? It's Lansing? Yeah. East Lansing, precisely. East Lansing, sorry. Up there in the tundra, taking on the number four team in the nation, Michigan State. Everybody thought Michigan State was going to be great, unstoppable. Maybe they are great. Maybe they are unstoppable. But they came across a team that was a little bit more unstoppable and a little bit greater, and that was the Dukes. Shane, how did this happen? I think JMU is pretty solid. I, okay. that that's the first thing. I think they're a team that, you know, right now they, they were picked to win the Sun Belt. That looks like yes. a solid pick right now well, seems like after this pick. one. Yeah. Um, beyond that, the matchup, I think, worked out pretty well for JMU. I think it worked out for JMU to get this Michigan State team for the first game of the season. I think, you know, a lot of these guys have history playing against Tyson Walker, who's a, you know, all-American point guard for Michigan State, but he started his career in a CAA when JMU was in the CAA. And um, TJ Bickerstaff, who is a transfer to JMU, but he started his career in the CAA too. A lot of these guys were familiar with each other to some degree. And then you also kind of look at Michigan State's very talented. They got a couple of McDonald's All-American freshmen that were playing a lot. But then you look at who they're matched up against. You know, Cohen Carr is going to be a superstar for Michigan State, but he's going against Terrence Edwards, who's, you know, probably the second, third best player in the Sun Belt, a senior who's been playing a lot since he's a freshman. Um, and I think it's just one of those situations where you see it in the NCAA tournament sometimes. It's the veteran guy who's seen it all. Maybe he's not quite as talented, but has a little bit of an advantage in that situation. And, um, yeah, I think we saw a little bit of that in this game, too. The last of the major pro sports league kicks off this week, and Bet Online is your top spot for all your NBA action this season. With MLB, postseason, NFL, and college football, and NHL in full swing, Bet Online is your number one source for wagering news, odds, trends, and predictions. Get everything NBA at your fingertips with both desktop and mobile access for every sport, anytime. Head to your bet online today to get on on the action. Don't forget to use promo code BLEAV, that's B-L-E-A-V, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, where the game starts. 
Now, with Bickerstaff, he was the top banana uh, on a Monday night, right? He was the guy that was really leading the team. Am I right? He and Terrace Edwards. Bickerstaff, okay. I think, had 21 points, 14 rebounds. Um, I think, Jamie, you thought he was going to be that kind of rebounder when they brought him in. Uh, 21 points is a little bit more offense maybe they weren't expecting out of him. Um, although I think maybe they thought he'd be a double digit type of guy at this level, but, uh, Terrence Edwards had 24 points, didn't shoot it particularly well, but he got to the free throw line a lot. Um, I think, you know, he's going to be as good the uh, first team, all sunbelt type of player as he was picked to be. Um, and yeah, just a team that like played really gritty down the stretch against Michigan state too, which is what Tom Izzo's teams are typically kind of known for. So let me ask you this. You, I know your fingers are on this pulse a little bit tighter than our fingers. Has the storyline been, wow, James Madison is for real? Or is the storyline, man, what's wrong with Michigan State? Because usually it's the latter when something like this happens. Maybe a little bit. I don't know. I think Tom Izzo's teams are always so good. They always finish well in March. Mm-hmm. That maybe Michigan State's not getting it as much as if, like, say – you know, just to pick one out of the top of my head, pick your guy, Alabama, you know, they're a little bit of a, you know, a Johnny come lately as far as like being a basketball powerhouse. Like if they maybe got off to a bad start, people would like, Oh, so last year's Alabama team was, it must've just been a fluke, but you know, I don't think Michigan state maybe gets that quite as much um, as some other teams, but I don't know if anybody surprisingly, I'm not sure people are overreacting one way or the other too much to this JMU win. It's kind of just like, Hey, this is, this is what happened on opening night. <laughs> and I think, I think there's some truth to that. Dusty and I were talking about that the last episode where Dusty was very upset with the Warhawks. We saw some DMS from him during that time when Houston seemed to be having their way. And then he kind of made a realization during plugs, promos and parting shots that, Hey, this is the first game of the season of a very long season. You know, it takes time for these guys to gel, to start playing their best basketball. Sometimes you have to get through November and even part of December before you really see what this team is capable of. So everybody just needs to take a breath uh, and uh, uh, maybe a little go easy on the results until later in the season. But for right now, You've got to be impressed with James Madison and what they're doing, not just on the onto the basketball court, but the football court, football court, football field. Dusty, are we in trouble? Are we on the verge of seeing James Madison fatigue? Yeah, they're the new Coastal Carolina. <laughs> they're the new um, Western Kentucky. They yeah. are the new... <laughs> whatever the hot team is at the time, uh-huh. FAU when they had Howard Snellenberger, FIU during their peak seasons with Mario Cristobal. Uh-huh. Congrats, Shane. You've arrived. We hate you. You are now the most hated person in the Sunbelt community. Way to go, Shane. Yeah, it's it's uh it's been <laughs> it's been wild to have everything happening kind of within a week of each other like just you know they get the win over the number one soccer team in the country the the women's soccer team gets that large bid yes the basketball win the football stuff Mm. like it's it's wild that like you're you're getting like a decade's worth of stuff happening in like a week here in harrisonburg and will it continue at that rate forever i i think jmu fans should enjoy this right now (laughs) Yes, and and b- b- be prepared to bear the slings and arrows of jealousy because it's it's a lot of people are like, oh my God, we can't have James Madison destroy us on a daily basis in every program. They've got to have a weakness. You have to have a weakness, right? Water skiing? Is, is, uh, is there a weakness there? It's been a rough field hockey season. <laughs> we'll take it. For us too, for us too. So, Shane, my question to you, mm-hmm. everywhere I turn, not only is the talk about James Madison, but it is also Shane Metlin of the Daily News Record breaking down in depth, getting colored copies of the letters being sent to the NCAA to try mm. to get the Dukes into the postseason. How many text messages, phone calls, smoke signals have you received? 
here over the past uh, few days as you really dug into that? A lot. Um, you know, a lot of messages too. And I mean, I just also like, I was kind of guy who typically in the past has been able to kind of interact with anybody who wants to interact with me, like on social media and stuff. And, you know, not want to be like, <laughs> I've never had so many people trying to interact with me that I could like act like I was too big for it. And like, I've just thousands and thousands of, um, you know, notifications when it comes to just replies and quote tweets and everything else. And so if I haven't interacted with you and I typically do, I apologize. <laughs> Cause like, this is, this has been wild. Shane is giving his followers the hi-hat. Oh my goodness. <laughs> yeah. So we thought yeah. it was going to be when we invited him on the show that that was going to happen. Not when he did yeah. his own work. Well, well I will say I, I saw a serious jump in traffic and stuff just from starting <laughs> to cover the Sun Belt. Yeah. Okay. All right. But this like week mm -hmm. has been insane. Well, there's a good chance that we see the Dukes maybe tickle the AP top 25 in basketball. I don't know. There's, there's talk. There's talk. We'll There's see. a voter out there that'll do it. Yeah, <laughs> if they're three and zero, oh, when it's time for me to turn in my ballot, I will have them on there. Oh, somewhere. Okay. That's All no right. sure thing with Kent State. Homer on Thursday. Yeah. You know, Kent State historically a solid basketball program. They are. They they tried to match up some solid teams in the inaugural Max Sun Belt Challenge. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, looking pretty good right now. Yeah, we got old uh, not Bowling Green. Who do we have? I forget the other one, but yeah, we're looking forward to that too. Well, guys, you know, if, if, if we've got basketball covered, I think it's pretty exciting that basketball season's here and now we got to wait for all the shakeout. We got the Mac sh Mac Sunbelt showdown coming up. What Thursday, Thursday's the first game for that, right? Yeah. Thursday is a uh, JMU and uh, it was JMU and Kent state. I, I'm, I'm tired. I'm drawing a blank. Yeah, come uh, on, Shane. And it looks like there's kind of, you know, a game each day until like a pretty solid Saturday slate. Yeah, okay. So, the, okay. So at the same time, there'll be a or a state. So I'm, now I'm falling asleep. Sunbelt football on Thursday, which is this will be uh, another night for the Sunbelt to shine. So that'll be nice. And maybe it's time. Maybe it's time to, Tibbs, with your permission. Is it time to get into second and short? Oh, I triggered the gong. Did you hear it? Did you hear the gong? I always hear the always. gong. Even when I'm trying to sleep, Jeremy, I hear the damn gong. <laughs> All right. Tibbs, I would like you to, to be a little nicer to gong, okay? Can you summon the gong in a nice way? I don't like you, gong. Oh, man. Man, you, you, man, you are be rude to the gong at your own peril, Tibbs. Yeah, Gong will show up at your window tonight. Just be careful. Because Shane made friends with the Gong. Shane can summon the Gong. I think we need Jeremy with his uh, graphic prowess to have some sort of Gong show type thing for promoting this when it comes out. <laughs> boom! Yeah! Hey, I've always wanted a Gong in the house. Like it, when it's dinner time, boom. When it's time for TV, bam. Homework, Gong. Wouldn't that be nice? Was was Gene Gene the dancing machine? Was that the guy from the Gong Show? Or am I mixing up my 70s like weird? No, I think he TV. was there and there was like the masked comedian. Wasn't yeah. he on the Gong Show? Yeah, I watched a little the Gong Show was a little bit slightly before my time, but I, I was Mine a little too. was on. Yeah. All yeah. right, what forget this. Second and short. Boom. You know how it goes, guys. I bring up the games, I kind of introduce it. And then you guys bring in. You, you guys swoop in with the penetrating analysis that the Fun Belt podcast is known for. Are you guys prepared to accept this challenge? Can I count Always. on you guys for the penetrating analysis that our program has won an Emmy for? No, we were nominated <laughs> for the oh, podcast yeah. of yes. the year last year. That's right. Yeah. Okay. Second and short, first game of the week is on Thursday. We own Thursday now, November 9th. Happens at 6.30 p.m. ESPNU. Southern Miss, 2-7. and seven. But, man, coming off a win against Louisiana, 5-4. and four. The Cajuns, 
not quite knowing what their identity is. They've lost to Zeon Chris, at least for this game. They're being very cheeky about the nature of his injury. Got hurt at Arkansas State, where Grayson McCall got hurt. It seems like Centennial Bank Stadium has become a haunted house for starting quarterbacks. Meanwhile, Southern Miss kind of finding their mojo way too late in the season. Frank Gore has run for 370 yards and three touchdowns his last two games. Tibbs, what do you see coming out of this game? ULM last week turned the game over to the Southern Miss yeah, Golden okay. Eagles. All right. Even though we've come full circle where it is now Chandler Fields back behind center for the Raging Cajuns. <laughs> yes. They're not going to lose this game. This Oops. is the Cajuns game. This is their statement game. Their, their time to shine at their second to last home game. Mm. Closing out the season, obviously, with ULM. The Cajuns got to get some more wins to really shore up their bowl hopes. And this just gets them a little bit closer. I like Jacob Cabote once again to establish a running game. We, we were reminded how much we liked Chandler Fields in seasons past and <laughs> the Cajuns roll to a victory. Yeah, uh, Fields did not look bad in his mop-up duty at Arkansas State. Did throw a last uh, sort of game-ending interception, but that could be expected. Uh, Shade, do, do you see, from your perch, from your mighty perch in the East, how do you see this game shaking out? Does Louisiana simply have more to play for? Yeah, I, I see it similarly, and I've seen this pointed out. This isn't an original Shane Metlin thought here, but okay. you know, if a team, if there's a team in the Sun Belt that's going to have to like go to their third quarterback, <laughs> Louisiana is in pretty good shape to do that. We're talking about the guy who's who's been there before, has a ton of experience, and you know, you're not just throwing him to the wolves, especially against a uh, struggling Southern Miss team. I, I think Louisiana gets the job done in this one and comes bowl eligible. Yeah, Fields is a good guy. Uh, Coach DeJormo, DeJormo, DeJormo. Coach Mike said that uh, Ben Woldrich not coming back this season. He's done. So it's going to be Chandler Fields maybe for the rest of the season. Saturday, November 11th, the Saturday slate starts with an out-of-conference game. You thought, wow, we're done with out-of-conference games this season. Nope, we still have a few more. Starting this week, Old Dominion. Four and five, the weirdest team in the Sun Belt going against Liberty, nine and zero. They play at 12 p.m. ESPN Plus. The Flames are a 13 and a half point favorite. Jamie Chadwell returns to the Sun Belt. I don't know if there's a bigger storyline than that. Liberty is nine and zero. Oh. Some people are like chirping, why aren't they in the uh, top 25? I'll tell you why. They've played a suck ass schedule I mean, it's all cusa opponents which is bad enough and then people like i think they got massachusetts they got new mexico state really the only <laughs> oh yeah i forgot i got i forgot new mexico state was in there they have bowling green they're five and four but everybody else just kind of blows so now they got to take on jason henderson and the monarchs which to me is, even though the uh, the Monarchs are four and five, they're just a different level of team than Liberty has faced, in my opinion, all season long. Shane, am I right to think this way, or am I not giving Liberty the credit it deserves? I think your reasoning makes a ton of sense. Hmm. It's hard to know how good Liberty is, and I, I actually did a radio spot for in Lynchburg. <laughs> home of the Liberty Flames here not too long ago and yeah. asked some of these similar questions. And yeah, I, we'll find out how good Liberty is because they haven't played really a Sunbelt quality team this year. And, uh, you know, 13 and a half points again seems like a wide margin for ODU when they just play nothing but one score games. <laughs> Whether, regardless of the quality yeah. of the opponent, so like, uh, there are you Vegas odds makers. Have yeah. you been watching? <laughs> yeah. So I think it'll be close, and I would not be surprised if uh, ODU gets a victory in this one. And, and, and does the Sun Belt proud? Wow. 
Tibbs, does Jamie Chadwell have any reason to play a little bit harder against Old Dominion? I, does he have a revenge bone in his body? Does he need a revenge bone? Hell, he left for the cash, right? No, he left because God called him there. Oh, I oh yeah, I forgot. I'm sorry. God called him there and four million bucks, if I recall. That is correct. Okay. I'll tell you why he so, left. He got oh. tired of being asked about James Madison in every press conference. <laughs> <laughs> See, this is why the hatred is bubbling up. <laughs> he didn't do a Here's very the- good job of hiding his annoyance every time that happened. <laughs> Here's my thoughts on this year's game, though, Shane. Okay. Jackson, Jacksonville State, for all intents and purposes, are, is a Sunbelt Conference school. They have Sunbelt Conference coaching staff all stolen right. off the bayou. They mm-hmm. have a Sunbelt Conference roster mm. that was also taken from the bayou. Wow. In that game, the Liberty Flames were able to really handily beat the Cox down. 31-13, showing that they have what it takes offensively to really be able to go against a pretty solid defense and stop a pretty good offense. Huh. As much as it pains me to say, Conference USA is going to get a non-conference win over the Sunbelt Conference this weekend with the Liberty Flames burning Old Dominion's hopes and dreams. Do you know who else has a... Uh victory against Jacksonville state by about the same margin. That would be the real Sunbelt team, coastal Carolina. So I'm not 100% sold on that argument. It was a good argument though. I mean, it was, it was delivered with passion. Yeah. So that, that's all. I do think that is a fairly decent, that might be uh Liberty's best win. Mm-hmm. I, I'll tell you what the old dominion, just too weird to be beaten by this team. That's my opinion. I know that's not scientific. I know that's not really looking at the data, but there's no team more weird than Old Dominion, and yeah. weirdness wins every time. I think it's just going to be a fun game. I can't wait to watch it. You know what's not going to be a fun game, Shane? <laughs> I'm not sure where you're going with this. <laughs> well, there's a reason why I named you personally for this. Okay. James Madison hosting UConn, who's 1-8. 1 p.m. Oh my God! What a gross game! The Dukes are a 25 and a half point favorite. UConn has one win on the season. Somehow they beat Rice. Good for the Huskies taking on Rice, coming away with that win. But let me tell you something: the Dukes are steamrolling over their schedule. They're putting out cigarettes in the eyes of everyone who prevented them from seeing postseason glory. The Huskies are next to be fitted for that eye patch. Shane, give me one damn reason why I should watch one second of this massacre. Um, Kurt Sagnetti hinted there could be some trick plays on the way from uh, from UConn. Oh, from UConn? <laughs> yeah, he says they have a bag of tricks, and yeah, I don't know. I mean, you got a uh, you got a one and eight team with the opportunity to play spoiler. I wouldn't be surprised if they uh, try some weird stuff. So if you want a reason to watch it, there you go. That reminds me, uh, in 1992, Arkansas State played uh, Oklahoma. And after the game, which Arkansas State lost 65 to zero, <clears throat> the players on the other team was like, yeah, I thought they were going to run more, more trick plays or something. <laughs> so it's kind of funny that that's like, you know, he's like just expecting – like a big bag of trick plays from UConn because clearly they're the underdog here. Tibbs, are you going to watch any of this game? Not the least bit. I no. will be texting Shane, asking for talking points, asking for <laughs> highlights, yeah. and hoping he actually gives me good information. And I'm not talking about how Frank Gore transferred midweek to James Madison and, and rushed for 963 yards. Wow. Yeah. As Signetti has helpfully pointed out all week too. UConn has played some teams close, but then they'll also like get beat by FIU. So it, it, I don't expect a ton from UConn, especially at this point in the season where they really have nothing left to play for. I do know that there's plenty of Sunbelt teams hoping kind of like, like would smirk (laughs) if UConn would win this game. This is what happens when you're the top dog, Shane. (laughs) 
you get this sort of pettiness. Uh, so a game without pettiness happens at, at the same time. Right there on ESPN Plus, our favorite TV platform. Appalachian State, five and four. At Georgia State, six and three. 1 p.m. ESPN Plus. The Panthers are given the two-point edge, which I, I think it's it, it's merited. Appalachian State, yeah, we kind of talked a little bit about that when Craig Stevenson was our guest host. Uh, that Appalachian State is sort of back, right? They've won two straight. Uh, they're back sort of in the mix in the American, or the American, the Sun Belt East. Yeah, you know, uh, they're getting just great. Uh, quarterback play from Joey Aguilar, who's thrown for seven touchdown passes in those last two victories. But here's the thing. The Mountaineers' defense, especially up the middle, is uncharacteristically soft. It's strange. That's not something you see from a Mountaineers team. And the Panthers have a pretty good guy running up the middle, a guy named Marcus Carroll. So, Shane, do you think this is – kind of a Georgia State opportunity to say, hey, we're not going away yet? Or is this an a Appalachian State's chance to say, listen, we have, we still have, we still get to determine what happens here in the Sun Belt East? It's both. Ooh. Depending yeah, I, on, depending on that, I mean, I think both teams have a chance to do what you said. We'll, we'll okay. see which one actually does. Right. That's the question. Um, I think... I think there'll be a little bit of a bounce back from Georgia State. Um, I think they're better than they showed against JMU last week. Mm -hmm. And uh, Sean Elliott certainly was fired up about how uh, that game went. Yeah. Um, but I think they can play well and still lose to App State, though, too. I think it'll be a close game. I think um, it'll be interesting to see uh, which former Mountaineer named Sean comes out and <laughs> comes out on top. Yeah, Sean Clark, the Battle of the, the Shawns. So, so Tibbs, is Appalachian State really back, or have they just sort of gotten lucky the last few games? Yes, they are back <laughs> to being lucky. No, Ooh, I, oh. I, I think that they have skill. I think they finally kind of found what works for them and, and not really relied on the past, that they've kind of found their own, their own identity. Oh, Joey Aguilar being a big uh, component of that and, and really how he plays is, is how the Mountaineers are going to go. I think, though, that, uh, you know, Sean Elliott was pretty pissed this past week at the uh, Sunbelt Conference media availability. I don't think that he is going to let his team have another offensive letdown like we saw this past week. Mm. Okay. With that said, I think App State gets the squeaking win. But I think that we're going to see kind of a real Georgia State performance this game. But App State this week is going to be that much better. And you know App State's going to want that sixth win. You know, they didn't get to go to the bowl game last year. Probably was a probably did not sit well with the fans, certainly didn't sit well with the team. So they got a lot to play for. I know Georgia State, they no. I mean, yes, they're bowl eligible, but they're still in the hunt for the East, just like, well, Appalachian State to a smaller degree. So it should be a great game, a much better game than UConn and James Madison. That's for sure. At the same time, I mean, everything's happening at 1 o'clock, fellas. We got a yin-yang game. Troy, 7-2. and two. At ULM, 2-7. Two and Yin-yang. 1 p.m. ESPN Plus. Trojans. A 21-point uh, uh, favorite. It seems like every Warhawks line is that, though, right? It's like it's always like 17 or 28. or It's always this big line. And at the beginning of the year, we talked about this uh, in our show on uh, Tuesday, that, um, that the Warhawks at the beginning of the season were a very dangerous team. Like they were losing by a field goal. They were losing by a point. It was a last-minute collapse, but, man, they are so close to getting it all together. Now it just seems like ULM is just sort of falling apart. They can't seem to, to find any cohesion at quarterback, as Tim, Tibbs has noticed. Meanwhile, Troy's just steamrolling over people, and it looks like the offense has caught up with the defense in terms of excellence. You know, it's really like there's no big weakness with Troy right now. 
So let me, I'll just throw it over to you, Tibbs. <laughs> Does ULM, and I think you think they might. Does ULM have a chance at winning this game? Sure. Okay. They always have a chance. Oh. Um, I mean, look, all the time that I've been covering for 23 years of their time in the Sunbelt Conference, we've seen some crazy things. Teams that were phenomenal teams that lost to a winless team. We've seen teams that were lost, left for dead and were literally going to set the trend of leaving their coach at the away game so that they could fire him and, and move on physically, emotionally, and every other way from him. And yet that team gets a win and rattles off the wins to win the conference and go to New Orleans Bowl. Wow. Nothing would surprise me. And, and yeah. everyone's going to look at me like I'm crazy. I get it. The 21 points. ULM did not look good last week. There wasn't a whole lot of... Uh, positives there, but I think that the the chance to beat the conference champion mm. and the leaders of your division is enough to give them a little bit of fight. Now, when that first mistake happens, a fumble, a pick, whatever, somebody gets burned deep for uh, either a touchdown or a, a deep pass, is that enough to kind of break the back early on, knowing that they're emotionally on thin ice? Probably. But for right now, we got to say Warhawks cover the 21 points. They may not win it on the scoreboard, but they'll win it uh, with your guy uh, over in Vicksburg or Shreveport. <laughs> you know, Tips has a little moxie. You know, he's got a little fight, a little spirit, a little spunk. Is the spirit spunk fight, whatever you want to call is it, is it merited, Shane? Is, is this game just going to be an, a, a, an abattoir of blood and guts? If, if we're talking about simply covering, okay, yeah, I can see it being more like a 17 point game, but like, I don't know, okay. Troy's just they're so disciplined, they're so good. Like, mm-hmm. when does Troy ever lay an egg? You know, in got- Monroe, okay, <laughs> in the like past, it, it, under Summer, have it, they it, ever it, just it, like seriously. came out and not played like Troy? I mean, yes, they got beat bad by Army. Okay, they got beat bad by a Kansas good a good Kansas State team. Other than that, I mean, when even when they lose, it's not like God. What happened to Troy? They just lost to good teams, and you know, I think they're going to be disciplined. I think they're going to play well, and I think they're going to, you know, not allow ULM to put very many points on the board, and they're going to score enough to win this by a couple touchdowns at least. Yeah, like if Chip Chip Lindsey was at the helm, we might be like, yeah, they could slip up and lose focus and. And 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 come away with a big L. Let me tell you something though; it's not easy to play in Monroe. You know, they, it, you can't just go down to the Bayou and expect to drop by the convenience store and pick up a W. It's 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 hard fought, right? Right, Tibbs. That was a talking point I had with several coaches down yeah. in New Orleans at Sunbelt Conference Media Days. That you know, uh, I think the governor himself even said it. He goes, "Man, I hate going to Monroe to play." If you have a hostile crowd, you kind of, you know, you still kind of get into the game. You get the juice, you feed off their negative energy. If you're at home, obviously the juice that you have from your home crowd, it's it's something that you kind of uh, play up to. But when there's crickets, you, 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 you got to kind of hype yourself. And a lot of teams don't know how to hype or even calm themselves down oh. when things go right, when things go wrong. Yeah. And and maybe that's the advantage that the Bayou has oh. there for uh for the Warhawks. So you're saying their reference silence is their secret weapon. It does feel that way. Georgia <laughs> State tried that last weekend and it didn't work out so well. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> what, no, you know, they had the damn train horn. He already oh, hated okay. by the Mountaineers. Why would you? Why would you become sworn enemies of the Panthers now? Oh my God! And in addition to that, Shane, twenty twenty one, Troy came to town. Warhawks twenty nine. Troy Trojans sixteen. Twenty twenty one was a lifetime ago. I'm talking about the Summerall <laughs> era. Wait, we're talking about Howdy Doody or whatever show you were talking about earlier with the Gong Show, but now all of a sudden we we can't go back to twenty twenty one. All right, Troy, Troy football is John Summerall. <laughs> An hour later, well, maybe no. I'm sorry. 
an hour and a half later, we get maybe the best game of the slate. Texas State, 6-3, and three, at Coastal Carolina, also 6-3, and three, a battle of East versus West. 2.30, ESPN+, Plus. Bobcats, a one-point favorite even in Conway. So the Bobcats, you know, they reaffirmed their position. You got T.J. Finley with that 301-yard performance against Georgia Southern, who really laid an egg. Coastal Carolina, on the other hand, working on its third-string quarterback. But, you know, no McCall, no problem. You know, the chance of one four straight after starting conference play 0-2. So, I, you know what, Tibbs, I'm going to leave it up to you. I have a hard time figuring out who's going to win this game. I think Coastal, inexplicably, because they always seem to do it, find a way in Conway. But I don't feel good about that pick at all. Yeah, I, I really like Coastal Carolina in this game over Texas State. I think Texas State's still on cloud nine. Uh, swimming in the river in San Marcos, celebrating win number six. In addition to that, Coastal Carolina is still fighting and clawing to try to get themselves back atop the standings just in case James Madison is not eligible for that Eastern title. Yeah. They want to, they want their shot at Troy. And they could get it. Yeah. And they could get it. Um, I didn't see the late developing news of whether or not Grayson McCall was going to be cleared for this upcoming weekend. I think that that is kind of an X factor, but they've shown that they have three capable quarterbacks that it really doesn't matter who's behind center, that the shots are going to run their offense. Their offense is going to be just good enough to get it done against the opponent. And they are going to move to seven and three this week and keep Texas state at six wins. Yeah. yeah last they- time I heard that McCall is still arguing with the medical staff on that, but we'll see. It's still plenty of time in the week. Shane, you were saying, yeah, they didn't seem very optimistic about McCall, but I'm not sure if it matters that much because they we talk about who wants to put their third string quarterback out there. I think Coastal's one of those teams that doesn't feel too bad about it. You know, Ethan Vasco, originally an ODU commit. Yeah. He gets kind of poached in the recruiting process by Kansas. Goes to Kansas, who like didn't have a quarterback for a decade and then all of a sudden had three. So he transfers out of Kansas and goes to coastal and he can play and he, he, he's good. He's a power five level quarterback legit. And I think, uh, I think coastal is going to be fine with him. Even if McCall is not available. Yeah. What a bounty of riches for coastal Carolina and, and what a turnaround for coastal Carolina. So yeah, it's going to be kind of a team that's sort of been there before sort of knows what they're doing against an upstart Texas state team. I think this will be a very entertaining game. And uh, if if you if you if you have some time at two thirty to take it in, and you you and you want something to wipe the blood out of your eyes from watching Troy versus ULM or uh, UConn at James Madison, then this is the game to watch. No. <laughs> <laughs> Next game, four p.m. We get Arkansas State, which is five and four. Versus South Alabama, a surprising four and five. 4 p.m. on ESPN Plus. The Jags, 11 and a half point favorite. You know, the Jags, here's what they've got they've got the 26th ranked defense, they've got the nation's second leading wide receiver in Cullen Lacey, they've got the 40th ranked running back in LaDamian Webb. And somehow this team is still sub 500. I don't understand how that's happening. What's the dealio? In the meantime, Arkansas State is collecting its first win over a, an opponent with a positive record this year by smashing Louisiana. The Red Wolves have finally found their identity, which is great for them, maybe not so great for the Jags, who we don't know if Carter Bradley's coming back. He could be gone for another week. We might see Geo again. So, uh, Tibbs, this is your chance to, uh, you know, maybe uh, put a little trash on Arkansas State and, and maybe some renewed love for South Alabama. Battle of true freshman quarterbacks. Jalen Rayner gets it done, but oh. I think it's Geno, now that he has that first game under his belt, propels the Jaguars with Colin Lacey and LaDamian Webb carrying the Jags to get the win, get them closer to six wins. They have Marshall next week, which should be 
win number uh, uh, six, six for them. Mm-hmm. And then they have Texas State to close out the season. This Jaguar team might somehow squeak away into the bowl game. You know who seemed pretty confident about that? Potential replacement for Shane Metlin, Craig Stevenson, last week. He seemed pretty, pretty, pretty positive that the Jaguars could very well come away with that sixth victory and sneak into bowl action. Shane, do you think that's possible? I think the game, winning two out of three, I think, is a legit possibility okay. for the Jags. But I, all I know is that I overreact to whatever happened to South Alabama the previous week, whether it's whether it's <laughs> absolutely pounding the number fifteen team in the country, or whether it's uh, mm-hmm. whether it's um, you know not performing well against Tulane, or you know now I'm like I spent the whole week kind of thinking, ah, oh, man, they just did not look good against Troy. And then I sort of convinced myself, yeah, but maybe Troy is one of the three best group of five teams in the country. Like, so maybe that's not so bad. I don't know. I, I've said before I'm abstaining from picking South Alabama games. So oh, that's wise. Just for your health, that's wise. Yeah. I, 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 yeah, I will say this: that Troy makes makes all of its opponents look impotent on the offensive side. They just do. So that's not really fair to judge. South South Alabama has played the two toughest defenses in the Sun Belt and came away with losses. They you know played James Madison earlier, then they played Troy and come away with a loss. So maybe there's just you know a matter of just playing really tough competition. Uh, you know what though, I gotta pick my my Red Wolves. I'm feeling pretty good about them. I'm just gonna pick them. There's no real real data to support it, but I'm just gonna do it. Last game of the week. A 6 p.m. game on the NFL Network. It always cracks me up that we're on the NFL Network. NFL Network. I think it's it's good. I think it's goofy. Georgia Southern six and three, already in bowl shape, playing Marshall. Losers of five straight. They're four and five. Eagles only a two and a half point favorite in this. Marshall kind of. I think I think they're doing a 1975 celebration. I think there's they're, they're at home. You know they got a lot of emotion going in. But here's the thing about this game. Davis Brin, quarterback for the Eagles, just as likely to throw three interceptions as he is likely to throw three touchdowns in a game. So you just don't really get that consistency that the Eagles really need to win. Meanwhile, the Thundering Herd, just so beat up. Shane, you'd be the first to tell us, you know, guys like Cam Fancher and everybody that surrounds them, they're all just beaten up. I have no idea who wins this game. I, I think it's Georgia Southern because they just seem to have things together a little bit better. But maybe emotion carries the herd over. Shane, what do you think? Yeah, I like Georgia Southern. It's It, it seems like it's a kind of a pick em game, but you know, if I'm going to lean one way or the other, it's probably just the team has been a little bit more consistent than the Eagles. Yeah, okay. That's fair enough. Tibbs, how do you want to weigh in on this? I like the Eagles, but this <laughs> is the one game that all of Marshall circles is the playing for 75, which is the tribute game to the 1970 Marshall's uh, football team, where all 75 persons on board the charter flight were killed after a loss to East Carolina. This is a game they don't lose. And, and so with that said, I'm picking Marshall because we are Marshall, especially this weekend. But I, I really like Georgia Southern's talent. I think that they could go in there and play spoiler. But I think Huff and, uh, and the Herd are going to do everything they can to, uh, as he said on the media call this past week, you know, this is what they play for. This is how they pay respect to that team that, that really laid the foundation for their successes of where they are. So this is the Herd weekend, and, and they are going to find a way to get it done. But I'm going to ask a very crass question from you two. That 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 tragedy that happened. It's more than half a century old. This this new generation does that does that motivate them on the field, or is this more of a school function that sort of says, "Hey, we, yeah, we got to do it for the 1970s team." All of the above, and, and I see that. 
Because I've yet to go to Huntington, but I've heard the stories that when you go there, it's still in the 1970s. There's a lot of families, a lot of people that have never left the Huntington area whose brother or or cousin or neighbor or whatever was involved with the program in some shape, form, or fashion. And so it still resonates with the residents that I think that it uh, infects the university and infects the program to really make it a thing and, and, and to make it as big of a deal and as big of a memorance as, as it is. Ah, well then we'll leave it at that. Good to know. But you know, even better to know is that me and Tibbs and Shane have completed yet another edition of second and short. Ah, the gong. Yeah. Guys, anytime you want to trigger the gong, you're invited to. You know, I, it shouldn't just be a me thing. If you guys want to do it, you go ahead. Just any moment, right now. If you want to do it, if it, you want to feel good about the gong, just go ahead. I'm. I don't know. There are certain things that are just uh, Jeremy things. <laughs> <laughs> uh, with that, Dusty, what are we up to now? Talked about the gong. I mean, do we have some kind of great sound effect for if we were to talk about a Ruston, Louisiana-based school that once had a third in 93? (laughs) (laughs) You know, we were kind of making, you were kind of making fun of our gong show reference. And then we're talking a little bit about digging into the past of the 1970 Marshall team. And then you were dug deep into the past of the 2021 (laughs) ULM team that overcame Troy. And now here you are going deep in the past of a rival's faux pas that led to a 93-yard third and 93 or whatever. What's going on with you, Dustin? Are you a little maudlin? Are you a little, like, a little bit nostalgic thinking of the past? It's all a Sudafed. <laughs> and on that note, Mm-hmm. Since I've given away our, our newest sponsor there of Sudafed, it's time for plug promos and parting shots. Shane, being the hot man right now where Paul Feinbaum is calling you, wanting your, your thoughts on the SEC and how James Madison will fit into their new league, we ask you to lay it on us. I uh, haven't heard from the Feinbaum show oh, yet, okay. but Paul, um, if he wants to find me, you, you can find me. Shane underscore DNR sports on Twitter. I don't call it the other letter. So uh, that's, <laughs> that's my plug. <laughs> Jeremy, what do you have with your arrogance? Knowing ah! that your team is getting closer to six wins. Uh, you know what? It's funny that you should mention my arrogance because after the game, I, I looked at the statewide paper, the Arkansas Democrat Gazette, to get a recount, a recounting of the thrilling win over Louisiana, a rival of ours, uh, a, a win that brings Arkansas State to within one victory of bowl eligibility. And I looked and I looked and I looked. And finally, on page 11, I got a quarter page little little article about Arkansas State's win over the Cajuns, and I was crossed because I, I felt like it was very unfair. So I, I got on the Twitters, and I put a video out showing where Arkansas State's victory fell in the on the totem pole of the Arkansas Democrat Gazette. I said that I didn't find that acceptable. In fact, I found that quite unfair. And the result was just a firestorm of hogs fans (laughs) reaching out to me to inform me that one Arkansas state doesn't deserve to have better coverage Two, because we got beat 73 to zero. We're by Oklahoma. We're lucky that people even know who we are. And three, just F you Jeremy for even bringing it up. (laughs) So (laughs) I wrote an article today, which you can read in howraiser.com which focuses on why it's not just important for the one statewide paper to provide coverage to other football programs in the state. That's not just about football. This is about Northeast Arkansas, 
a, a section of Arkansas that is very can be very poor, economically distressed, uh, uh, has very potential for wealthy areas, but they're just not quite, you know, leveraged. There's there's potential there that if you only would highlight some of the victories that occur in Northeast Arkansas, instead of always focusing on Northwest Arkansas, which has all the opportunity and economic prosperity it could poss possibly need or want, if you would shift a little bit of that focus on something good that's happening in Northeast Arkansas, whether it's a new steel mill that's going out up there, or whether it's a football game that brings the second largest university in the state closer to bowl eligibility, why not put a little spotlight on that? Why not help that part of the state become a little bit more attractive to people and maybe make the people that live there more prosperous citizens? I don't get why it would hurt so bad to move an article from page 11. So I don't know, how about page three? And maybe put a picture in there. That would be nice because it doesn't have to be all Razorbacks all the time. They don't need the publicity. They're doing fine on their own. And that's my parting shot. At least the universities <laughs> that are on the front page of your local paper yeah. are in Arkansas Ooh. and actually exist. Wow. We go to the great Monroe News Star, part of the Gannett Network. Uh oh Headline article. Oh. 25 years later, and Waterboy is still a fan favorite of Louisiana. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.